This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley. And it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Every Friday, we dig into the week's top headlines. And, well, there's plenty to talk about. On Wednesday, a crowd of anti-vaccine protesters shut down the Executive Council meeting. Attorney General John Formella is looking into whether protesters at that meeting engaged in criminal conduct. And COVID-19 boosters are starting to roll out in the state. Joining me now to talk about it are NHPR reporters Ali Pham and Josh Rogers. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, Rick. Good to have you both here. Uh, let's start with uh, the Executive Council. The They actually canceled their meeting Wednesday, citing fear for state official safety. Allie, you were there that morning. Can you describe the scene for us? I was, I was. Um, so, I mean, protesters effectively took over the meeting on Wednesday, preventing it from ever even starting. I mean, they were chanting, yelling. Some were kind of striding around the room. Here's a little bit of uh, what that sounded like. You know, and a few also took to the front to give longer speeches, basically decrying vaccination efforts and mandates, and also spreading misinformation about the vaccine itself, as well as other conspiracy theories. Um, one protester was yelling that he knew where people at the meeting lived, which you know, I think was perceived as threatening to some. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, public employees who were at the meeting to answer questions had to be escorted out of the building by police. And shortly after that, executive counselor David Wheeler announced that the meeting was uh, canceled and the room uh, basically erupted in applause. Hmm. And Attorney General John Formella announced yesterday that his office is reviewing whether those protesters at the meeting did violate any criminal laws. Josh, why did protesters target this specific executive council meeting? Well, there are two contracts uh, pending before the council and pending before the legislature's uh, fiscal committee. Uh, These contracts um, could have been up for votes on Wednesday. The bottom line on these contracts is $27 million worth of federal money that would be um, used to facilitate vaccine outreach and and bolster the state's vaccine registry. this money would create 13 new positions. But, you know, the aspect that really uh, animated the anti-vaccine mandate protesters was language contained in the contracts that they feel would bind New Hampshire to carry out um, federal mandates. There's a language that says the state would, quote, agree to comply with existing and our future directives and guidance from the secretary, that would be the secretary of health and human services. And, uh, quote, assist the United States government in the implementation and enforcement of federal orders related to quarantine and isolation. And, you know, to protesters, this language you know, amounts to a us- usurpation of state sovereignty and, and would put the state in the business of enforcing, you know, Biden administration policies around the vaccine mandate. And, you know, that mandate obligates businesses of more than 100 employees to either require vaccination or um have a testing regime that would allow people to to test out of, of being vaccinated. You know, the the uh, the the you know, the language in these contracts is real, really fighting words to people invested in, in fighting the, the, the Biden mandate. And what's interesting is Governor Sununu is quick to say this language amounts to boilerplate. It's already been voted on in other contracts um, and basically insignificant. The attorney general, in addition to reviewing criminal potential criminal conduct at this meeting, is also going to offer an advisory opinion, which is expected to be presented to counselors before their next meeting, and also to lawmakers, um, where, um, you know, but we don't know where the council's next going to meet. The fiscal committee canceled its right. meeting on Friday. They'll, they'll be meeting in two weeks. So there's there's um, there's a lot going on there. And I know Allie's been looking into the actual effect of this language. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, 
you know, I spoke to experts kind of about this language. Um, and what they told me is, you know, what it outlines is kind of a relationship between the federal government and the state um, that already exists. Um, so, you know, protesters were really up in arms about language that, you know, said that the that um, if the state were to take this grant, mm-hmm. they have to enforce, you know, federal orders related to quarantine and isolation. And as just mentioned, first of all, you know, the state's already approved other contracts with the same language. But, you know, that's already something that the the state is doing. It would be working, you know, with the federal government. Right. So on things w- w- like that. So the, there's confusion about the facts here, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and it's also worth mentioning that historically this dynamic, I mean, this is a little bit more intense, but this 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 same dynamic about, you know, when you take the federal money, what does it obligate you to? This was a fight that we saw back when No Child Left Behind went through. Um, and, um, you know, we've seen it in other other circumstances where the state's independence and sovereignty becomes a real rallying cry for people concerned about the implementation of a federal policy. Yeah, Ali, you had some tape here, I think, from, um, what's this tape from? Yeah, that was one of the experts that I spoke with, Andy Baker-White. He's the Senior Director of State Health Policy at the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials. And, you know, he really just was kind of reiterating these. this clause that people are up in arms about is highlighting you know, a relationship that already exists. So, so the clauses here, he here they, they really just set out what states and the federal government have been doing, not just in this pandemic, but in other public health issues. So this is not new. Right. Exactly. It's the latest among uh, other demonstrations opposing state health measures during the pandemic. Josh, as we were talking about earlier, what's the broader picture here with, with these protests, though? What's, you know, where do you see this going? Well, it's a good question after Wednesday. I mean, whether or not um, the notion that the attorney general is looking to potential criminal conduct uh, has any effect on on the trajectory of these uh, demonstrations is hard to say. There's a demonstration planned tomorrow for the State House Plaza, and it's you know, it's important to note that the people participating in these protests, they're not exactly a monolith. It's sort of motley. There are certainly organizers behind some of the activity with, you know, longstanding ties to uh, libertarian politics. There are also people who have clearly been sort of activated by the specter of, of vaccine mandates. And on the heels of uh, emergency orders and the state of emergency last year, a lot of these folks, the most the most um Aggressive protesters are people who also were involved in protesting the emergency orders that Governor Sununu uh, put in place, have been protesting outside his house. And, you know, what happened Wednesday was remarkable in terms of, uh, you know, I don't I can't I couldn't come up with a precedent of when protesters actually shut down a meeting. And, you know, but but they, they the similar protest took place earlier this month at a Health and Human Services Committee vaccine hearing where, again, the meeting had to be closed down. And, and let's not forget that some of these protesters were also you know, purportedly the cause of Governor Sununu's decision to postpone a public inaugural ceremony. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, he canceled a bunch of events uh, over the weekend, hasn't he, too? Well, he was, you know, he's got this sort of Super XO3, which is actually a repurposing of inaugural fund money um, that wasn't spent because he didn't have inaugural balls. And he was supposed to have this kind of Harvest Fest event over in Walpole, and he announced... um, you know, earlier this week that that wasn't going to happen due to um, concerns for safety. But, you know, yeah. he was out, you know, he, he went and did kind of a, you know, he didn't announce it, but he was sort of hobnobbing 
at the Deerfield Fair yeah. earlier this week. So, but uh, this could have consequences down the line if, if for these these kinds of events, these public events. It's morning edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with Ali Fam and Josh Rogers. You can tell us your thoughts and questions, by the way, by sending us an email to voices at nhpr.org or by leaving us a voice message anytime at six zero three five one three. Seven seven nine zero. Let's turn our attention now to some other COVID uh, news. Uh, booster shots beginning to roll out here in New Hampshire. What more do we know about how these will be implemented, Allie? Right. So um, booster shots for some folks are here. Um, pharmacies across the state have had them available this week. They're rolling out in you know some providers' offices as well. Spoke with um, some long-term care facilities who've said that they're you know already working with local pharmacy partners to set up clinics for their residents and staff, many of whom, you know, do qualify. Uh, we've heard from some listeners about this. There's lots of interest in boosters. We've asked listeners to write in with their questions. By the way, you can do that by sending us an email to voices at nhpr.org. Judy in North Conway wrote us uh, this week, I gathered that booster shots are just for Pfizer-vaccinated people. What about Moderna? Uh, it's hardly ever mentioned, and there are a lot of us here in New Hampshire. Why are they behind, and when will they be available? Yeah. So, Judy, I also was uh, vaccinated with Moderna, so uh, waiting on that. But, um, you know, that's correct. Just Pfizer um, has been approved for the booster so far, and that's for folks who were vaccinated at least six months ago um, who are at high risk. So that includes people who are 65 and older, as well as people whose jobs put them at greater risk of exposure to the virus, you know, like grocery store workers, as well as people whose living situations would put them at greater risk. So people who are incarcerated or people who, you know, may be at a homeless shelter. Um, and in terms of boosters for other vaccines, you know, those are expected. I mean, Dr. Chan said yesterday on a call with healthcare providers in the state that Moderna boosters could actually be here by the end of the month, although he did say, you know, a timeline for the Johnson & Johnson or Janssen vaccine is a little bit less is a little less clear. Yeah, those of us by the Johnson & Johnson have been wondering a lot what's going to happen with that. <laughs> But anyway, moving on. So the yeah. executive council meeting was held to further state vaccination efforts. Did, did the protest this week have any effect on the push to get Granite Staters vaccinated? That's a great question. So, I mean, there are a lot of ongoing efforts um, that are not affected by this. But the protest did have some direct consequences. You know, so the hiring of the positions that Josh kind of outlined at the health department, which the department has told me are pretty urgently needed. Um, that hiring is on hold. And then there were actually some other vaccine-related contracts that were on the table at Wednesday's meeting. And, you know, since it was canceled, those contracts didn't get voted on. They didn't go through. And one of them was for a Newport-based company called Onsite Medical that um, was supposed to basically stand up a team to do homebound vaccinations. And, you know, I actually talked to the president of of on-site who said, I had already started hiring. Like my team was supposed to start on Monday and I had to call them and let them know that, you know, there's going to be a delay. Um, and then the other kind of thing that on-site is, you know, kind of slated to do with funding is have the ability to launch um up to five fixed vaccination sites to, you know, potentially help the state meet demand for boosters. That's more expected later down the road. Obviously, right now, as Judy, you know, wrote in about, you know, only a small population is approved um, to get boosters. But, yeah, it did, you know, it did have an effect. Allie, COVID cases are, are going down nationally. Are, are we seeing that in our state, too? 
Um, so in mid-September, it started to look like COVID cases were coming down, but that trend was pretty short-lived. And, you know, I was on the state's dashboard this morning, and it looks like, you know, cases are climbing again. And we've been averaging over 450 new cases a day. And um, the proportion of cases in young people is also you know, been growing. I mean, not particularly surprising given vaccination rates are lowering young people. But, you know, looking at new cases yesterday, over one third were in, you know, folks under 18. Well, we'll be keeping track of it. I know you will uh, as well and, and be reporting on it for NHPR and NHPR.org. I want to ask you both, Ali and Josh, what other reporting projects you might be working on? What are you looking at uh, in the next week or so? Let's start with you, Josh. Well, uh, you know, certainly um, the upshot of, of what happened at Wednesday's council meeting, both uh, in terms of uh, what findings the attorney general makes about the conduct of, of, of protesters. Um, also, I'm curious to just know even where the next exec- executive council is going to be, under what right. circumstances. You know, the, the sense was that it needs to be in a more secure location. How Saint you, Anselm has said they're not doing it anymore. Well, they're not. They're not hosting um, essentially government events. Uh, they yeah. canceled in, after the after Wednesday. They canceled a, um, a redistricting listening session. So how how the state balances. You know, the need for the public to be at these meetings with safety in this moment is something I'm going to be looking at. And, um, you know, more broadly, um, the trajectory of, of the fight over uh, over vaccination policy here. Ali, how about you? What are you looking at now? Yeah, next week? I mean, I'll also be following kind of the ramifications of these um, protests and, you know, continuing to track the booster rollout here as well. Okay. And you'll be hearing all of their reporting right here on Morning Edition from NHPR, as well as be able to read it at NHPR.org. Health and equity reporter Ali Pham and our senior political reporter Josh Rogers, thanks both for being here. Thank you. Good to see you, Rick. And again, find more of their work at NHPR.org. I'm Rick Ganley. This is the New Hampshire News Recap on Morning Edition from NHPR.